You may not want to know how a pastor goes about writing and uh, preparing a sermon, but uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. On Thursday morning, I was brainstorming about this sermon. I'd studied, I had prayed, I'd written several pages of notes, but I just couldn't figure out how to put things together. I wanted to demonstrate how life is a mixed bad, how there are good things and hard things in life. There are things that fill us with great joy and things that confound us with deep sadness. And then I thought about the last 10 minutes of my life sitting in my office on Thursday morning and I received uh, an email from my wife and uh, it was an email from one of my children's uh, teachers. And, uh, you know, when you get an email from a teacher, it's usually either really good news or really bad news. And so uh, this time it was good news. We're really proud of your daughter. She uh, has already met her AR goal and she makes contributions each week. Sorry, Meg. And, uh, you know, that makes a papa proud. Really, that's really great. You know, that's something nice. And then within seconds of me reading that email, I saw a headline that said, uh, active shooter alert on the Mississippi State campus. And I thought, oh no, what about my friends that work with RUF there? What about those students? What's happening? In life, there are good things and difficult things. And, you know, the that active shooter thing uh, was resolved with no shots fired, thanks to God. And uh, But there are good news, there's good news, and there's bad news in life. It's filled with ups and downs, wins and losses, victories and defeats. How are we called to live our lives in the midst of those realities? What are some of the principles and perspectives that can help us celebrate the joys and walk through the dark times? And in the midst of all of that, how can we bring glory to God and sing praises to his name. I think Acts chapter 14 can help us. And it, in Acts chapter 14, it highlights a large part of Paul and Barnabas' ministry, their first missionary journey. Acts 13 and 14 show us some incredible things that God did through them. There were open doors for the gospel. People were turning to the Lord Jesus, believing in his name. A great number of people believed. They're really encouraging things that happened, but they're also discouraging things that happened. There are folks that uh, stood opposed to the gospel message. There were people that misunderstood on the most basic level what Paul and Barnabas were about. There were folks that uh, stoned Paul and tried to kill him in the midst of his ministry. So this morning, I want us, as we look through Acts chapter 14, I want us simply to think through some of the Principles and perspectives here that I believe can help us as we walk through life, a life that's a mixed bag. Before we dive into the text, I want us to think uh, for a second about where the, the apostles are. There's a map here, and uh, last week in Acts chapter 13, they were in Antioch, which is in the top left corner, and they made it from Antioch down to Iconium, which is in the first part of Acts 14. Then they went to Lystra, then to Derby, and then they backtracked. They went back to each city on their way back through Antioch, Perga. They didn't go through Cyprus. 
Perga and went back to Antioch. And that highlights uh, where we are in, in Acts chapter 14. They went through down to Derby, then they went back, and then they made it back to Antioch. That's Antioch of Pisidia. That's just regular Antioch. I don't know why they have the same name. But uh, yeah, so that's kind of where we are uh, in Acts 14. One of the first things I want us to think about together this morning is that tribulation is real. Tribulation is real. I think that's one of the things that we can take away from Acts chapter 14. There's good news and there's bad news. I'm a bad news first person. You know when people say, do you want the good news or the bad news? I want the bad news first. And one of the things that we see is that we still live in a sinful world. There are still tragedies. Sometimes nightmares do come true. There's deep disappointment with things that happen outside of us. And there's deep disappointment with the things that happen within us. The things that we ourselves fall into and do. And that, that's part of the storyline of humanity. That's a storyline of, of life. And becoming a Christian and following Jesus Christ, it doesn't mean that those things all go away. In fact, sometimes... Following Jesus Christ may mean that there's more tribulation and challenge in our lives. So let's look at some of the troubles that the apostles, these uh, ones sent by God, faced. One of the first ones we see is poisoned in Iconium. And uh, Paul and Barnabas went to the synagogue. We see it in the first few verses. They went to the synagogue to preach. And there's really good news uh, a great number of people, both Jews and Greeks, Jews and Gentiles, believed the gospel. There was, uh, there was advance of God's kingdom, but there was also, verse 2 tells us, unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. They poisoned their minds. I don't know about you, but I thought my mom invented that phrase. Uh, you're going to poison your mind playing all those video games. And uh, that's the way that Paul describes the lies and the, the deceit that these folks employed about Paul and Barnabas and their message. Do you guys remember a few years ago, um, Viktor Yushchenko, the, the Ukrainian president, was poisoned. He was poisoned by one of his uh, opponents, I guess. And it was something that happened slowly. Someone was slowly poisoning this man. And he's a, a really handsome man. The before and after pictures are incredible. Uh, and he's a handsome guy. And then after they realized something was wrong, someone was poisoning him. The poison like ate him up from the inside out. And uh, maybe you can look at pictures on the internet this afternoon. Um, it was really crazy, and, that, and that's, what, that's what poison does. It destroys from the inside out, right? And, and there were folks and forces back then that wanted to see God's kingdom stopped in its tracks. We do not live in a neutral world. There are, there are folks and forces now that want to see Christianity, not just in general, but our faith in Christ to pass away and to fall. And many times the tactics that they employ are subtle, they're behind the scenes, it's, it's like poisoning folks' minds to the truth of God so that the, the foundations of God's truth and God's principles are slowly eroded away. And it's one of the reasons why 
Romans 12, too, is so important. Remember uh, what that says. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that's one of the, the, the tribulations that they faced is that these people tried to poison folks' minds against the brothers and sisters. Another thing that we see is when Paul and Barnabas went to Lystra, folks misunderstood what was happening. They heard about the evil and the the harm that was meant for them in Iconium, so they went down to Lystra and they found this man who was born disabled. He had never walked before and Paul saw that he had faith and he was healed. He told him to stand up. This man who had never walked before stood up and uh, it's kind of like the miracle that happened in Acts chapter 3. It's incredible. It's a miracle. It was so amazing. The people were, were excited. They were so excited that Zeus and Hermes had come down from, from heaven to uh, perform this miracle. Wait, what? Uh, that's what they thought, right? Paul and Barnabas performed this miracle by the power of God. And they began to worship Zeus and Hermes. And they did it in their native language. And uh, Paul and Barnabas didn't really know what was going on at first. They did know when the oxen and the garlands were brought out and the priest of Zeus showed up to sacrifice to the Greek God. People misunderstood what God was doing. They misunderstood the message of God's grace and the power of Jesus Christ through Paul and Barnabas. The same thing happens today in subtle and not so subtle ways. God's word is read. Something incredible happens that we can only accredit to God's working in someone's life. And what do folks say? And they got so lucky, didn't they? The stars just lined up just right. It's amazing what Mother Nature can do. Without the Spirit of God opening our hearts, there will be misunderstanding. People will misinterpret God's work and God's ways through their own worldview, through their own grid. And part of the tribulation that we face as God's people, if you seek to tell people about Jesus and walk in His ways, part of the trouble is that people will misunderstand what we're all about. The last thing I want us to see about this tribulation that is real is that someday, and and with Paul and Barnabas, Paul was on death's door. Along with misguided excitement of the people of Lystra came Jews from Antioch and Iconium. These were agitators. These were people that uh, came to actively sabotage and undermine the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And their work was diabolical. Their work was evil. They incited the folks from Lystra to stone Paul. And and stoning isn't something we think about, we know much about. The purpose of stoning was to put someone to death. The purpose of what they did was to kill Paul, to murder him. And they brought him out of the city, and they dropped his body there, They left him for dead. In fact, the Bible says that they thought he, supposing he was dead, verse 19. And then verse 22, look at what verse 22 says. Later on, he strengthened the souls of the disciples. He encouraged them to to continue in the faith, saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom. 
Now, he, he taught people this days after he was left for dead. Um, he taught them and he showed them this could happen to you. I'm sure he was just a mess. His body was broken. There are forces at work that want to see Christianity and Christians crash and burn. Tribulation is real. And this is not new. Jesus told us that it was true. People persecuted the prophets in the Old Testament. Why? Because they told the truth about God. There are examples throughout church history of where where Christians were persecuted and killed for their faith. Woody's used this stat before in preaching. In the past 100 years, there have been more people persecuted and martyred for their faith in Christ than all the other centuries combined. Tribulation is real, and I think it's something that uh, we will face more and more in our lifetime. Now, I'm not trying to be a fear monger. I'm not trying to make us afraid. It is a reality, but there are other realities that are true in this world. Romans 8, 18, For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. James 1, 2, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. From this passage, we see that tribulation is real, but there's another reality in life. And it's that God's kingdom and God's work and God's grace is continuing to grow and blossom and flourish in the face of difficulties. There's nothing and no one that can stop God's purposes. So tribulation is real, but there are other realities that we need to remember. One of the other things that I think comes out over and over again in this passage is that grace is central. The grace of God is central. We talked about this some last week. Grace is the X factor of Christianity. God's mercy to sinners is one of the things that sets Christianity apart. And here, God's grace is prominently displayed in several ways. First of all, let's look at the word of His grace. We see it in verse 3 of chapter 14. So they remain for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord... Who bore witness to the word of his grace. They preached and Jesus and the Holy Spirit shined the light on the grace of God through Christ. That was what was special. That was what was, uh, that stood out, what Jesus did. And this is what we, we do when we see our friends. What's one of the things that we say? Hey man, what's the word? If someone's sick or in the hospital, we... We ask, is there any word? Is there any update? The word here in Iconium, the word to us, the news is this, grace. Grace from God. Sins forgiven. Full acceptance. Life in Christ. That's the word. The word of His grace. God loves us so much that He became a man and He laid down His life to pay for our sins and our mistakes. 
He did that so that we can have forgiveness and hope and freedom and everlasting life. That grace from God, that's the word. The word is this, that we have grace from God, that we can be accepted and loved by him. We also see God's grace displayed in, in Lystra. And uh, not only did this man receive the ability to walk by the power of Jesus, but there's also a message of grace that's demonstrated in these verses. Look at verse 15 uh, with me. After they figure out what's going on, they begin to preach a sermon. Paul stands up, they tear their clothes, they say, don't offer sacrifices, but serve the living God. Men, why are you doing these things? We're also men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and that all, all that's in it. I have good news. You don't have to live like this anymore. We bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to the living God. That is a message of God's grace. I think that's a message that can gain traction with us and can get a lot of mileage with people in this world. Even people who uh, have questions and, and uh, hang-ups about Christianity. Because deep down we all know that all the things that we turn to and run to, besides God, they're not going to make us happy. All the stuff that we run to and we think, man, I've got to have this. If I only have this, then, then my life will be satisfied and fulfilled. Oh, wait. That can't meet the deepest needs of my soul. Folks have been pouring their hopes and their dreams into things, into people, into causes that were never intended, that are not able to carry the weight of our souls to carry the weight of our lives. God's grace comes to us, and part of the message is, we don't have to live like this anymore. You know, it's never going to work, but we can find life and hope and peace in the living God. Knowing Him and His grace is a key for us to, to walking and living in joy in this world, no matter what's going on in our lives. We also see grace in this passage uh, near the end. I love the summary in verse 26. They made it back to Antioch. They completed the mission. And this is what it says. And from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work they had fulfilled. They've come full circle. They backtrack. They encourage people. They built people up. They taught them. They love these new disciples all along the way. They set up elders uh, and leaders in these fledgling churches. And it started and it was all carried out through the grace of God to which and by which they were commended. They were sent out. They did what they did all by the grace of God. And sometimes that grace is, 
is seen and experienced, not just in some spiritual way between us and God. A lot of times the grace of God is seen and demonstrated with one another. Look at what the the passage says. When Paul was thought to be dead, verse 20, but when the disciples gathered about him, he rose and entered the city. Can you imagine the love and the care and the concern and the tears, the joy, the meals, all the stuff that that they did to take care of him. They probably washed his wounds. They bound them up. And that same principle is true for us. Sometimes the grace of God is seen when we rally around each other, when we care for each other. When something good happens and we come alongside and we say, I'm so excited for you, I'm proud of you. And when things are going really hard and we come alongside and just a word, an email, a text, a hug, a meal. There are all ways that God's grace is demonstrated. It's grace all the way. The third thing I want us to see from from Acts chapter 14 is that faith is essential. The words believed or faith or some variation are found six times in these 28 verses. Paul and Barnabas preached the gospel wherever they went and all along the way they were calling people to faith. They were calling people to believe in Jesus Christ. It's the heart of the Christian message, right? Many believed. The man in Lystra believed Many disciples were made in verse 21, it says, how? Because they believed what God was doing. They believed in the gospel. And one of the things that uh, it says in verse 22 is that they continued in the faith. This is part of the encouragement of Paul and Barnabas to these folks. To, he, he strengthened them. He encouraged them to continue in the faith. This is a faith once delivered to the saints. This is... Uh, The the reality of Christianity that we're called to keep believing what God has said. It's easy for us to think that belief in God is something that happens once. Something that's happened in the past. And hopefully that's true. You did believe in God at one point in your life. But that you're also now believing and resting and trusting. It's something that we do on an ongoing basis. Faith is active. Have you believed? Are you believing? And part of the Christian's calling is to continue in the faith. It's a continual thing that we need to practice. Put it into daily practice. Continue in the faith. That faith is something that was essential to their message. Another thing that we see near the end in their summary is that a door of faith was opened. Um, Verse 27, when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And this is a a beautiful picture. Um, it It sets us up for Acts chapter 15 where... There's the Jerusalem Council where they they think through about how the message of Christianity is going to go out into the Gentiles. And here they say that a door of faith is open. There's a wide open door. How do people receive the message of God's love? By faith. 
It's a door of faith. The message of the cross is spreading out. It's a wide open door. Remember what Jesus said. Look at the fields. They're white unto harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And there is a whole world of people who need to hear the message of God's grace. Who need to hear about what God has done. We, we are believing. We're called to believe. And we're called to go through this open door and call other people across the street and across the world to believe in Jesus Christ. The door of faith is open. It means uh, that we can take strategic and sometimes scary steps in getting out of our comfort zones for the sake of King Jesus and His kingdom. The last thing I want us to see uh, this morning is that God is at work. God is at work. Here's the final thing. And this principle, this perspective, is part of uh, the RUF philosophy of ministry. I've worked in campus ministry for several years. And the principle that God is at work is something that brought me a great encouragement. It's a principle that you can remember when God is doing things among people that you, you can't really explain. God is working and, and he's changing people and he's kind of running ahead of anything that we had hoped and dreamed about. God is at work. I also remember those words uh, as I sat in the RUF office, kind of staring out the window, wondering if anybody would come to large group that night, uh, wondering if anybody would come to the small group Bible study that was planned, and then remembering, oh wait, God is at work. Look at this wonderful summary. When they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared that all, all that God had done with or through them, every bit, every step of the way, it's God's work. God is the one who's working. They told the people what God had done through them. And this is like a a perfect balance, I think, for us to be humble and for us to have courage. If you're able to help support a missionary or a widow who needs help cleaning up her yard, if you're able to teach someone something about God or the gospel, if you're able to communicate with your children what God's grace is all about, that's incredible. It's God who's working through you. And when you don't know what tomorrow will bring, when things seem hard and impossible, when we reach out to people and they don't reach back, when the situation just seems hopeless, I think we can have faith through God's word to believe God is still at work. Can you believe that? Can you see that this morning through the wins and the losses in your life? I bet if you trace the storyline of your life, you can see 
how God works in ways and in situations that you thought he could never and would never work in. I've seen God's work in my own life in the past year or so in ways that I would not have scripted, not the way that I would have written the book, the ways that God planned. And I've seen and understood that he is filled with grace and love. There is tribulation. It's real. It's part of this world. God's grace is central. Faith in him, not just once, but the rest of our lives, is essential. And God, God himself, is working. That's the perspective that we need. How is God working in your life? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, your word and your promises and for sending your son, Jesus. Lord Jesus, we thank you for laying down your life for us. The Holy Spirit, we thank you for uh, opening our hearts to see your glory. I pray that you would uh, take these truths and write them on our hearts. And uh, please be working in us. We know that you're working. Give us hope to believe uh, when we doubt. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, At this point, we'll take up an offering to support the work and worship of our church. And if you are a visitor, feel no obligation to give. This is something for the people of South Baton Rouge. And... uh, Yeah, let's give to God's glory.